0: We're going to look at Luke chapter 14, verses 12 through 24. Luke chapter 14, verses 12 through 24, the final banquet. Luke chapter 14, verse 12, the final banquet. He said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Verse 15. When one of those who reclined at table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A man once gave a a great banquet and invited many. And the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor, the crippled, the lame, and blind. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet." Um, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can sit under the teaching of your, of your word to actually um, receive it, understand it, and be transformed by it. We pray that you would speak to us in such a way that it would be relevant to us. You would help us to check our hearts through your word and um, follow after you according to your will for us. Be here with us and strengthen your people especially at this time of the year as we're heading into a new semester and starting our small groups again. pray that it would be a great way to um, resolve within our hearts to draw closer to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, The final banquet. Um, And we talked about, so this passage comes right after the text that we talked about last week. And we remember there that Jesus was invited to a dinner, And uh, in that dinner, he first addressed the people who were invited, the guests, and he said to them, don't seat yourself in the seats that are most honorable. uh, Remember talking about that? He said, rather take the low seat, because that's the attitude that you need to have to be exalted by God. That's the kind of attitude that God honors. So we saw that last week, and then right after that now, we pick up in verse 12, where now he's speaking to the host of the dinner about who should be on his invitation list. And then after that, starting in verse 15, he talks about the type of people that will be at the final banquet that God throws. So the title of the sermon is The Final Banquet, thinking about, so relating to from this dinner, thinking about the, the final dinner, the banquet that God's going to throw, and the people that are going to be there, and the attitude that we need to have to be a part of that banquet. So we'll, we'll think through those things first. To the giver of the banquet. To the giver of the banquet. Again, verse 12, it says, He also said to the man who had invited him, When you give a dinner or banquet, do not invite your friend, your brothers, your relatives, your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return, and you be repaid. So Jesus invited to dine at the home of this, um, this religious leader, and so you can imagine the other people that are here in this room were probably other very important people, other very important people that are other religious leaders. So, I mean, if you, in that context, this must have been kind of an awkward thing to say, where he actually turns to the person who invited him and all these guests and says, when you throw a party, don't invite your friends, your relatives, and your rich neighbors. In other words... Don't just invite the people who can give something back to you in return. Jesus says these people will probably one day have a party of their own. And when they do, if you invite them, they'll probably return the favor and invite you. And when they do that, whatever whatever good you did for them by inviting them, you've been repaid. So don't only give to the people who can give back to you. Um, if you think about it, that kind of giving really isn't giving because that's really giving to receive, right? It's not really giving. That's actually investing. It's like when you uh, give, right? When you put money into your mutual fund or your retirement fund, when you give money to your fund, you don't actually have that money now because you gave it to that fund, but as you put it into that account, you know you're going to get it back later with interest. So it's not really giving. That's investing. And Jesus is saying, when you give, don't give like that. Don't give as a way of investing, and getting something back from people. Truly give. Okay, so now maybe you're thinking, okay, what does this have to do with me? Because I don't do that. I would never do that. I'm not manipulative like that. I don't like, give to my friends with the intention of getting something back from them. So how is this relevant to me? Okay, so that's good. It's good that you don't do that. It's good that you don't give to people calculating in your mind, oh, what am I going to get back from this person? But Jesus is saying that a lot of times we do this, like these kinds of things, unconsciously because we're sinners. We do things like that because we have hearts that are selfish. So, for example, let me ask you this question. Think about your friends. As Jesus says, don't just invite your friends. Think about your friends. Think about one friend, one close friend. And let me ask you, why is that person your friend? Why are your friends your friends? Why not someone else? Why is the person next to you, sitting next to you right now, your friend? Why not the person sitting like, Two people from you. Why is that person not your friend? Um, Well, part of the reason is, now follow with me. Why are your close friends your friends? Part of the reason is because we're selfish. And we like to get a return on our relational investments. What do I mean? You like hanging out with your friends because your friends make you smile. They make you feel a certain way. So you like being friends with them. Because at least, at the very least, they return some sort of happiness to you. That's why someone else that you know is not your friend to that same extent. Because they don't give you that same thing in return. And that's just the way that human beings tend to give. We give to receive because that's the sinful heart. I'm selfish. I give, and just the nature of the sinful heart is I give to receive. So Jesus says, rather than giving to those who give something back to you, verse 13, but when you give, when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Okay, so... The poor are poor. They have no money. They don't have the resources to do anything for you. The poor, crippled, lame, blind are all people who are in positions of need. So when you give to them, there is nothing coming back to you from them. You actually probably have to give more to them after you give to them. And Jesus says, giving to people who cannot give back to you, that's real giving. Now, of course... Jesus is not saying only give to people who are in need and never give to those who have the resources to do something for you. Jesus is not saying that, but he's calling attention to the attitude of the heart, meaning don't have the heart attitude that gives to receive. Rather, when you give, um, and when you give with no expectations, then he says, you will be blessed. Verse 14, and you will be blessed. Blessed by whom? The implication here is you will be blessed by God. When we give not to receive but to actually give, God sees that and God will repay you. So I guess guess in that sense it sort of is an investment, not an investment for financial return to get back in this world but for a spiritual return from God in the next world. And I was thinking, you know, this is exactly what people are thinking when they give their lives uh, for missionary service, for example. Um, I just read a newsletter from a family um, who are moving in the coming months to a very unreached area in the Middle East to serve as uh, unpaid volunteers at a hospital. Now, um, what makes this kind of uh, pretty amazing is that he's a plastic surgeon. Right now, here, he's a plastic surgeon, and his wife is a pediatrician. So they're leaving all that behind, and they have children. They're placing their children in a boarding school um, in a country, in the same continent as where they will be, placing their kids in a boarding school so that they can, and then leaving all of that, the the financial resources behind to serve God. And uh, I read their newsletter, part of the newsletter, it says, by moving to this place, we view that what we are doing is not so much as walking away from physician incomes, but rather as investing our physician incomes for greater gain in this life and in eternity. That's their perspective. Now, something like this does not make sense when you think only in earthly terms, right? That the only time that matters in life is the time between the time I'm born and the time that I die. That's the only time that matters, so I need to gather as much money, as much possessions as I possibly can during this lifetime. If that's how you think, then that kind of mindset what, what this person, what this family is doing does not make sense. But it does make a whole lot of sense when you realize that all of the earthly possessions, all the money that I can accumulate is ultimately useless after I die. And that the only thing that lasts in eternity are the sp- spiritual blessings that we receive from God. So that's what, that's what this, this couple believes, right? And that's essentially what they're saying. We want to give our lives and live our lives to give to the poor, to give to the, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. And I read that newsletter and I wanted to give them money because of the heart that I saw. And how much more then will God repay them for their attitude of real giving, giving of their life? And So that's what Jesus is saying to the, to the host of this party, be that kind of giver when you throw a banquet. <laughs> uh, secondly, to those who de- decline the banquet. Verse 15, continuing on. When one of those who reclined a table with him heard these things, he said to him, Bless is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Okay, so now someone hears, they're sitting there, they hear Jesus talking about banquets and, and invitations, and he blurts out this statement. Blesses everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Jesus hears this, and he responds by saying, "Yes, that's true. Blesses everyone who, who, who sits and eats bread at the kingdom. That's true, but don't be so sure that you'll be there. because not everyone will eat the great banquet in the kingdom of God. And to, to show that, he tells them this story, verse 16. He said to them, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. Time of the banquet, he sent a servant to say to those who have been invited, come, for everything is now ready. Okay, so the host prepares this, what he says, a great banquet, and his desire is for many to come and enjoy the feast. So it seems like the guests on the invitation list are lucky to have been invited. All they had to do was accept the invitation. Verse 18, but they all like began to make excuses. First said, I bought a field, must go out and see it, please have me excused. 19, another said, I bought five yoke of oxen, I go to examine them, please have me excused. Another said, I've married a wife, therefore I cannot come. Okay, so basically those who were invited didn't come. They said, I wish I could be there, but I have these other obligations. And it seems like Jesus is saying that these other obligations that their naming seems like what Jesus is saying is that they should not have kept them from the banquet. Maybe the real reason was that they just didn't didn't want to come. They would rather tend to the field or the oxen or wife than go to this banquet. And of course, Jesus is using this story to show that God will throw this great banquet when this life is over. And the invitation to God's banquet goes out to many. Everyone who hears the gospel of Jesus Christ is invited. All of us, all of you, anyone who hears the gospel is invited. The gospel message says that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. And because Jesus died for our sins, God is willing to forgive us of our sins if we put our trust in Jesus. So many hear this message, but decline this message, decline this invitation from God. Notice here that there are two components in the people's responses. When they say, no, I'm not going to come, there are two components to their response. First, the reason. They give the reason why they can't come. And then there's also their desire. The reason they give, I can't come because of my field oxen wife jesus says these reasons are actually excuses he calls them excuses because secondly what's underneath these reasons is their desire i would rather tend to my field oxen and wife than go to this banquet that's that's often how it is for us also when we receive god's invitation right believe in jesus and you can feast at the great great banquet Before God, believe in Jesus and come, accept this invitation before God. And then we might say, oh, but I can't. I can't believe in Jesus because, and then we give the reasons, right? Uh, Predestination doesn't really make sense to me. Doesn't the Bible have errors? Oh, and there's that problem, the problem of suffering and evil. How do you get over that? And uh, what about other religions? Isn't it kind of exclusive to say that Jesus is the only way to heaven? And so we give these reasons of why I can't accept the invitation to come to God's banquet. But often underneath that is the real reason, which is the desire component. Oh, if I believe in Jesus, then I have to give up my life, right? And I don't really want to do that. You see, it's hard to conclude, it's hard to conclude like come to, come to terms with all these things, it's hard to conclude that God is real and that Christianity makes sense because ultimately it means that I have to surrender my life to God. So in the end, I don't believe in Jesus because I love ruling my own life. And for many who don't accept Jesus, that's often the real issue. You see, faith and love are often so intertwined in those ways. And for these people who are declined, They couldn't trust in the kindness of the host. They couldn't put their faith and trust in the kindness of the host because of their misplaced love, misplaced desires. Before we leave this point, let me just, by the way, apply this also. Just by saying that this applies even to this um, on a daily basis to God's invitation for his people to dine with him in his word. We give all kinds of excuses and reasons, right? I can't. I can't come to God today because I'm too busy. School started. I mean, 8 a.m. class. Be realistic. I can't go and spend time with God. What do you expect me to do? Wake up at 7.30? I have a new project at work. Too much going on these days. I'm too tired. But in the end, it's my desire that I'd rather do something else. Um, By the way, you know, I, I saw this motivational video. This week, I clicked on it because the, even the title of it was so motivating. The title of this video is called, Waking Up at 4 a.m. Will Change Your Life. There's a seven-minute video, seven-and-a-half-minute video, and it talks about how, how important it is to wake up early. And it says how the average millionaire wakes up at 4 a.m. And, it, and I think it's just a compilation of video. I'm, I'm pretty sure... Like, some of the excerpts if I, I feel like is, uh, have to be like Christian because they talk about God and stuff, but, but it's not a Christian video. It's a motivational video. Uh, and the, the aim is to say, like, you have to wake up early and maximize your time if you want to be successful in life. And the implication is, if you want to be successful, if you want to make a lot of money in your life, you have to stop making excuses and get up and work with the extra three hours or so, when everyone else, uh, when they're sleeping. And uh, I was like, I saw that, I was like so pumped up. Uh, I said, oh yeah, and I said to Christine, no, I I can't stay up and watch that movie tonight. (laughs) Uh, Not because I want to be a millionaire, but, uh, but how much more, how much more for people who want to be successful in their lives in the eyes of God, um, not really sure why I mentioned that. Uh, um, but uh, okay. So lastly, entrance to the banquet. Entrance to the banquet, verse twenty-one. So these people decline the banquet with their excuses, verse 21. So the servant came, reported these things to his, to his master. And the master of the house became angry and said to the servant, go out quickly the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled, the blind and lame. So it turns out the master did not invite his guests because of their qualifications. That's why when the people declined, they were easily replaced. He orders his servant to go out and bring in the poor, crippled, blind, and lame to his banquet. And notice that this is the exact same list of people Jesus earlier told the host to invite to his party. In other words, when God throws his great banquet, he does not give to receive. He gives to give. No one is invited to God's banquet because they have something to offer to God. You don't need to meet any requirements to enter God's banquet. Anyone who comes to God's banquet is there just because they were invited by God's generosity. And this is what the Bible calls grace. I once heard someone say that when you see a turtle on top of a fence post, you know that it didn't get there by by itself. I don't know where I read it or heard it. Maybe it was a fortune cookie or something. But it's so true, right? When you see a turtle on the top of a fence post, you know that he had some help. And it's the same when it comes to salvation. No one enters God's banquet based on his own merits. You're just welcome by grace. Can you imagine how uncool this party must have been, right? All the guests that are gathered at this banquet are poor, crippled, blind, and lame. Can you imagine how poorly dressed the people are here? How smelly this banquet hall must have been? It's because everyone here at this dinner is a loser, That's exactly what we have to understand about ourselves, that if we really want to be the ones who are going to dine with God at his great banquet at the end, we have to understand that you are there because because we are losers, a sinner who cannot save himself. This week I went somewhere to purchase a used bike for my son, one of our boys, And uh, it was listed for $75, right? I got there, checked it out. There was this and that that kind of needed to be fixed. So I said to the seller, hmm, I'll give you 60. And uh, I didn't know, like I didn't know what to expect, right? I'll give you 60. I thought she would be like, oh, um, no, I'm gonna take 75. Or maybe she would say, "Mm, okay. I'll, I'll take 60, but I said, I'll give you 60, and she goes, mm, actually, I'll just take 50. I'll give you 60. Well, actually, I'll take 50. So this is what I did. I go, mm, did you see that? I'll, take, I'll, take my, I, I, I'll give you 60. No, I'll take 50. Like, you know, the eyes get a little bigger. <laughs> um, that reaction, right? That reaction. That reaction, I mean, that's only $15, right? I mean, it's not that big a deal. But that reaction times uh, a million, <laughs> billion, a gazillion, that reaction times uh, uh, infinity is the reaction that sinners have when we realize that we can actually enter the banquet by the grace of God. Are you serious? For real? God, do you realize what a sinner I am? God, do you realize who I am? Really? I can actually come for free? You can come. Losers, sinful losers can come and enter the banquet hall for free. You see, it's because how human beings give and how God gives are completely different. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave. This is how he gives. He gave his one and only son. God gives purely for the benefit of the recipient. You see, what that surgeon and his wife are doing is merely a reflection of what Jesus did when he left everything to be a missionary to this world. Jesus gave up everything, even given up his very own life on the cross to save the spiritually poor, the lame, and the blind. And that is why now you don't have to be cool you don't have to meet any qualifications to actually enter God's banquet. We just have to realize that I am a loser in need of grace, that I am one of those people that have nothing to offer to God and surrender our lives to accept his invitation. Verse 22, and the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways, to the hedges, and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. The master again sends out his servant to the highways and hedges. What are highways and edges? I mean, like, are they now like looking behind the bushes, right, to, to find people? Me, I think it means that now you're, you're gathering people from places where you normally wouldn't think to find people for for this banquet. I think it means that people will um, be at the final banquet from unexpected places. Again, what we saw last week, the first will be last and the last will be first. It means that some people who you would think to be there at the final banquet won't be there. Maybe the Jews of the time or the people you grew up with Uh, going to church or people who grew up going to church or the people who are leaders at their church the people you'd expect to be there some people might not be there and many people who you would not expect to be there will be there it's always great to hear some of those stories of people like how people ended up like even just coming to our church hear those stories every year like oh man I, i came to campus i had no idea like I had no church background. I, I wasn't planning to go to church at all. But then someone gave me, um, I don't know, a flyer at one of the fairs. They invited me to get bubble tea. They paid for my bubble tea, so I felt obligated to go to the next barbecue. I went to the barbecue. They were nice to me, and somehow I'm here. And I ended up joining a small group, and, and, and I only have these friends now, so I can't go anywhere else. Right? <laughs> Um, it's always great to hear stories of unexpected people who didn't expect to come to church and being up, ending up at church. And that's exactly what this parable is talking about, because that's what God's doing in our lives. Sinners, losers who have nothing to offer to God, being accepted into the banquet hall that, that God invites us to. Um, this summer, this summer, our family, uh, for about a week, went out to Colorado uh, for a family trip. And one of the things that we did was, uh, among the other things, we, one of the things that we did was to go whitewater rafting. It was pretty cool. And uh, earlier in the summer, when, when Christine and I were planning our trip together, um, we were looking at different options, things that we can do there, and, and, and that option came up. I thought, oh, you know, it'd be cool if we went and did this, you know, whitewater rafting. How many people can say, like, they actually went whitewater rafting in their lives? And we thought, oh, maybe we should do this. But then I said to Christine, you know, um, I have been whitewater rafting already in my life. Uh, When I was a kid, I actually went whitewater rafting. And she goes, oh, really? Wow, you went whitewater rafting? That's so cool. I said, yeah, I have. But for your sake, because you've never gone... And for the sake of the children, because they've never gone, I'll go again. And we'll go white water rafting. Okay. So that's what we did, right? Um, we went there. It was uh, it was it was fun. It was a great experience. Uh, the weather was perfect. It, it just uh, it was a perfect experience. We got into this the, this raft, um, you know. We received our instructions, um, and then we're like going down this beautiful. You know, Colorado River, beautiful scenery, perfect weather, like avoiding rocks, like dangerous rocks, like these currents that navigating the dips and, and the drops and getting splashed by the ice-cold mountain water, um, you know, dolphins everywhere. and <laughs> just like, it's just amazing experience swimming with the dolphins, just being one with nature. It's just an awesome, great, thrilling experience. It's awesome, it's just, it's it's so cool. Like, we went whitewater rafting. So, after that cool experience, after the trip, I said to Christine, you know, I have have something I need to tell you. I said, I realized after we went, I realized I actually never went whitewater rafting in my life before. Turns out, what I remember doing as a kid was the rafting ride at Six Flags in Great America. (laughs) I was young, so I thought I went whitewater rafting. But I realized that I didn't when I experienced the real thing. Hey, I've never done this before in my life. (laughs) This is something new. I told her, oh, yeah, that was a a first experience for all of us. Point is this. It's so easy, isn't it? It's so easy to go to church your whole life and think that I know God, think that I know what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Because I've done this, I've done that, I've gone to, you know, lock-ins and retreats, and like heard sermons, and John three sixteen and so many, you know, so many things that I've heard as a Christian in my life, and so easy to think that I know all these things. But when we personally experience God's grace, it changes everything. when I truly personally experience the love of God, the grace of God, God, really? I'm such a sinner. Are you serious? Knowing who I am, you're saying I can be forgiven, I can actually come? Really? God's grace changes everything and I pray that this will be your experience throughout this year as we you know grow together do this and that studying the bible coming before god worshiping together that we'll truly experience the love and the grace of god and realize what an amazing god it is that we seek after uh, before we pray, uh, I just wanted to make one uh, quick, quick plug. Uh, our small groups are starting this week, and I want to ask you if you have not signed up for a small group to do that today, and uh, you know, there'll be an announcement about that. But that is just one of the best ways to get connected relationally, and I think that's so critical in growing together as a community seeking after God. I pray that as we do that, we would experience God together and learn about his love and his grace for us. Let's pray together. Uh, let's just uh, reflect on his word. The Bible tells us that for God so, because God so loved the world, which means because God loved you, because God loved me, because God loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And uh, when God gives, is purely for our benefit when, when when, we give, we talk about giving, and then we talk about different kinds of giving, sacrificial giving, generous giving, unconditional giving. Like when, when it says God gave, it, all of those is implied, included in the word give. That's how God gave. He gave his one and only son to the point of death on the cross so that the spiritually poor crippled, the lame and blind, those who cannot do anything but be sinners can be saved. That is the overwhelming grace of God that is offered, that, that that is offered in the invitation. May we be the people who realize that, you know, not with our noses held high trying to act all cool when we're not, but realizing that we are those spiritual Losers coming before God in need of his grace, humbling ourselves. The last, only the last will be first. Let's just uh, come before God with that kind of attitude. Lord, I want to have that attitude as I enter uh, this, uh, this new school year, the 10th year of our church. As I enter, I want to seek after you with that kind of humble heart and be a blessing to others. Uh, help me to follow Christ in that way. Let's just pray for a moment. Then we'll close with the song. Heavenly Father, we once again thank you for your Word that reveals uh, hidden crevices and motives of our hearts, and uh, also shows us the love of God and the grace of God to undeserving sinners. Thank you so much for the Gospel of grace. Help us to humbly embrace and accept invitation draw near to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Let's stand together. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great, great love for us. We thank you that out of your grace, you offer this invitation to dine with you at the final banquet. Thank you that we don't have to do anything to earn it. Thank you that we don't have to come based on our, our own qualifications. We thank you that you are giving God God of grace who proved it by sending his own son to the cross. We thank you that even on a daily basis that we have an invitation to dine with you, to have a relationship with you, a personal interaction, relationship with you on a daily basis where we can experience that grace in a real way. Thank you that you're such a gracious God who offers so freely You un- your on. Un- Undeserved blessings to sinners who have nothing to offer. Just pray, Lord, that you'd help us to realize, personally experience it within our hearts what an amazing offer this is. Pray that by faith we would surrender and uh, run to the cross, to the throne of grace. May this be a, an awesome year. Pray that you would bless the small groups, all the relationships that will form and cultivate throughout this year. Pray that you would use the different different events and everything to draw your people closer to you so that we can love you and spend our lives in such a way that we would spend, we would consider our lives nothing for the sake of investing in eternal things. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, this incredible, unwavering unchanging covenant love of the Father God, the fellowship and the strength and power of the Holy Spirit be with you God's people both now and forever.